I'm going to talk to people today um, about final destination. Final destination. You ever been on an airplane? And the captain says your destination is, and hopefully that's where you're trying to go. Amen. I remember one time uh, we got on the uh, on the plane, and, and used to plane flights were a lot of fun. Used to be, they the attitude wasn't like it is now. Right now, there's so many things coming at them from the government and mandates and things that you know people are getting frustrated. And I've been on I was on a plane last July, and it it was like that. And used to, they'd have a little fun, and one particular company always had fun. They, they would just crack up jokes and things like that, and everybody piled in. And I think we were on our way to uh, uh, McAllen, Texas or something like that, and the flight attendant said, well, if, if you weren't going to McAllen, you are now, amen, because <laughs> once you get on there, that's where you're, you're heading. And I want to think about where we're going, 3D. Life Recovery is a ministry we do every Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Today at 3 o'clock, anyone who is interested in being a part of the organization of this ministry, uh, we'd like to see you because we have to, we have to write some legal things and get some uh, things done to get this organization uh, off the ground. We want to make sure we try to get this done this fall, you know, before wintertime comes in. At 3 o'clock, we'll be doing that. I'd love to see anybody that's interested in being a part of what we're going to do for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups this coming year. Ladies and gentlemen, this ministry is, is called uh, by God, and uh, it's a response from uh, our church and from people to reach out to people who struggle. I want you to know that it's very important to the heart of God, and we'll talk about that some today. So 3 o'clock, if you can be here, um, then we'll go into our large group at 5, and then our small group after that. And uh, Loopy Larry's is catering our meal tonight. So if nothing else, I mean, you're going to get to eat, right? Right, Jennings? I mean, we like it when he brings it for man church. You know, the problem is when he brings stuff for man church, we don't do anything else. We just eat. You know, after everybody eats, they fall asleep, so we send them home. Um, final destination will be our message today. We have notes out there. I don't know if they're anywhere where you can get them. Um, I don't know if any, if any more are printed. I saw some a little earlier. Uh, maybe somebody, Bernie or somebody, Grandpa back there. By the way, look at Grandpa and his granddaughter. Isn't that neat? Uh, come on, amen? If you want to get a nature change, just become a Grandpa. I won't tell you. It changes. It changed my parents. It changed my parents a lot. I mean, my, grand, my kids could walk over there and drink Kool-Aid on the couch. I never could do that. Is anybody familiar with that? I'm like, those, yeah, amen? I mean, those two people, they changed. They changed a lot. Praise God for that. Um, final destination, I want to start with a story. You ever thought you were going someplace only to find out you are going somewhere else? Do you ever think you were on the right track and when you got there, you weren't where you intended to go? I was 16 or 17, and I had my license. I, the birthday, 16-year-old, back then, you got your license. That's the way it was, if you passed the test. And I think you had to parallel park, too, which I'd be in trouble right now, uh, Kelly, if I had to do that now. I'm the kind of guy that will drive around the block 10 times till I find something I can just swoop in. Um, so 
I like going to Six Flags. You've heard Ryan talk about it, and Ryan was, full disclosure, he talked about his uh, challenge with roller coasters, and he finally got over that. I love going to, to, to roller coasters and Six Flags and stuff like that. And I had a lot of uh, family that lived there. So at 16 or 17 years old, <clears throat> I don't know why my parents did this. I don't know if I would do this with my 16-year-old kid. <clears throat> but they let me and a buddy drive to St. Louis stay with an uncle that I had in South County and go to Six Flags and spend the day and then go back to the uncle's house and the next day drive home. So I was 16 or 17 years old and I've always struggled with a sense of direction. Anybody been there? Anybody like, I have no idea which way I'm going? And see, you know, with this GPS thing, I don't even like that because I don't like anybody telling me what to do, you know. Don't tell me when to turn, you know. And sometimes those things lie to you, and that's not my message. But I was there and got to Six Flags that, that morning, and everybody is very specific. You turn here, you go this direction. But see, these, these highways say things like east or west and stuff like that, south and north. And when it starts looking like that, it starts looking like I'm reading Greek. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm better now. You know, I can find my way to Paducah and back now. Just look for the traffic and follow it, right? So I got out of Six Flags that night, and I had to get on this highway that circles the city. And I had to go, you know, coming out of Six Flags, which is kind of east. I know it's west of the city, so I think I would have to go. See, I don't even know. I have to think about that a little bit. Um, so I have to, I, ha I think I'm supposed to turn south on this thing and then get off somewhere else. Well, I, I got on the wrong way. And so instead of going south towards South County, St. Louis, uh, where my family lived, I'm going north and I'm going through things that I haven't ever driven to before. And I knew I was in trouble when I was crossing a bridge and the sign said, Welcome to Illinois. And it didn't look like the Illinois of the other side where the J.B. Bridge is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm like, I'm 16, 17 years old. I'm in a city driving in a place where people don't drive like they do here. Amen? They drive a little bit different. And so I'm very, very, well, that's, what's the word? Panic might come in. I don't know where I'm at. In fact, I'm mad at this street because this street's supposed to take me somewhere else. I just got on the wrong way. So I, I turned around, went back across the bridge because, see, with a natural bridge, once you cross it, you can come back eventually. So I came back. I pulled off at a place called St. Charles Rock Road. I found a gas station. Anybody remember a payphone? See, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have it. We didn't, we didn't have those things back then. You know, those are the days when you walked to school. Y'all remember that? You know, we didn't have cell phones, did we, Jerry? And I literally did walk to school every day, but I don't want to talk about that. I lived a block and a half from the school. Anyway, so I come back across the bridge. I pulled off St. Charles Rock Road. I found a payphone. You have to put a dime in back then. And I called my uncle, and my uncle answered the phone. I said, well, guess where I am? And he said, in jail. <laughs> no, not yet, but if I keep making bad turns, I might be. Well, he finally got me back to where I was going, and so... You know, I, I, I didn't go, I wasn't getting where I wanted to go, and that was frustrating to me. But, you know, the good news was I could change. I could reverse my steps and go back to the way I wanted to. 
Last Thursday, I did the same thing. I, I had a destination in mind, and I found myself somewhere else. I was in my office. It was field trip day for the students. It was quiet in the church. Somebody can say, praise God. <laughs> when it's quiet, it's good. Amen? Um, so I was getting things done, and we've got a lot of guitars up here. We've got my guitar, the red guitar, the red acoustic I play, the, the red one. Ryan doesn't like to play it because you have to hold it out like this. Because it is anyway, it's a, it's a strange thing. We've got another one called the Takamini. This is a Martin guitar. He plays his guitar. And sometimes we play the church's guitar. Anyway, we've got stuff all over the stage. So I've, I'm going to get it out of stage. I'm going to take it back and I'm going to put it up. So the Takamini is just sitting there because... Maybe you don't do this, but sometimes when I'm in a hurry, I'll just set something anywhere, whether it goes there or not. Anybody ever do that? Anybody get frustrated when your uh, significant other does that? Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a class for you tonight, 3D Life Recovery. See, right here, 5 o'clock, okay? We can get some of this uh, latent anger worked out. Anyway, I set the Takamini on the, the chair, and then later on I looked at it, and I'm like, I can't even sit in this chair because the guitar's there. So I'm picking up the guitar. Where's the case? I've got three file cabinets and a little hole in the wall or whatever where I put the cases. I'm like, this is a great way. It's a great place to store it. So I'm going to take this guitar. And I'm going to find that case. I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to pick this case up. And then I'm going to put the guitar in the case. So my destination was where this case was. The only problem is I did not see the shelf right about here. Why are y'all laughing? You know, I'm really glad nobody was here. Because it would have been a terrible sight to see me running up down the hallway screaming like a three-year-old. I'm telling you, it knocked me. I I'm surprised. I, I did not pass out. I mean, it didn't affect me that bad. I just forgot my middle name, and I don't know my Social Security number anymore. But I can get over that. Sometimes where you're trying to go, you don't get there. But when it comes to final destination, you really need to know where you're going. And you really need to have that right, because when I got lost in St. Louis... I could turn around and come back, but there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to get somewhere and you can't turn around and come back. And so the message today is from Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to talk about final destination. Jesus is going to paint us a picture of what it looks like in the last time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read through these scriptures and make comments about these scriptures as we go through. And we're going to start in verse 31. We'll have all the scriptures on the, on the board. And we will go through and just kind of see what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew chapter 25. The Bible says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Ladies and gentlemen, He's talking about something that we've never seen. The Son of Man comes in His glory. My mentor and I are right now studying the book of Revelation. I think it's important to know the book of Revelation because I personally believe a lot of the things we see going on in the world right now relate to what John wrote and many other passages in the scripture. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where something that you had to carry with your hand would be required to work or to buy something. And I remember some of the old-timers said that day would happen. It didn't sound like it would ever happen. But do you realize the Bible talks about there are a day coming when without receiving a particular mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell? And the world is conditioning us for this kind of thing right now. It's happening. 
So my mentor and I are talking about Revelation, and we're talking about things like the second coming of Jesus. And he made a statement to me that really made sense to me. He said, the disciples of Jesus knew about as little about the first coming of Jesus as we do about the second coming. They knew it was going to happen. They didn't really know what it would look like. And I'm not sure that anybody today can really know what it looks like. In fact, I can tell you this. If anyone ever tells you, I've got this all figured out, you might want to just turn that, one, that voice off because they probably don't. But the truth is, Jesus said there is a day when the Son of Man is going to come in all his glory and he's going to sit on a throne. Guys, as sure as Jesus Christ came the first time, he's coming again. And so in this passage of Scripture, point number one is going to be about Jesus. What do we discover about Jesus? First of all, he's man. He calls himself the Son of Man. He identifies with our humanity. Isn't that good news today? Whatever we're going through, the Bible says Jesus identifies with everything that we're going through. He is a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be human. He was not half human. He was total human. Not only was he man, but he is God. The Bible says he comes in his glory. Comes in his glory. There's only one that has glory, and that is God Almighty. So even Jesus talking to his disciples who knew there was something different about him. They knew he was the Messiah. They still didn't quite understand all of the ramifications of the fact that this man that they were walking around with was actually the creator of the world. And Jesus says, one of these days, the Son of Man, this person, this Messiah, is going to come in all his glory. So he's not just man, he's also God, and he's going to sit on a throne. Guess what? He's also king. He is man, he is God, he is king. Everything that we sing in the church today is directed at worship to God Almighty, who is Jesus Christ, our King, our Messiah, our Lord, and our God. So he says he's going to come and sit on his throne. Now, point number two is going to talk about the judgment that's going to take place. Now, this is not a very pleasant subject, but it's very necessary. If you get arrested for something, it means you're going to come before the court someday, and you're going to face judgment, and they're going to give you a chance to explain your story. Or you might plead no contest, not guilt, or just plead guilty and just, Go on with it. The point is, we have these kind of things now where judgment is going to take, take place. Someone's going to have the gavel. The gavel is going to come down. Judgment will be meted out. Well, the Bible says that this same type of thing is going to happen to every human. And if it's going to happen to every human, it's going to happen to everybody here. You see, there is total inclusivity when it concerns the judgment. Total. Nobody will escape this moment. The Bible says all the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations. That includes us. A couple of thoughts about this. First, everyone will stand before Jesus. Everybody. Everybody will stand before Jesus. And secondly, everyone will be judged according to their works. In our world particularly in evangelic circles, we make sure that we let people know that we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by what we do. 
But I think sometimes because we're so strong on that side of it, we miss the flip side of that truth. We're saved by faith apart from works. But the salvation that saves us produces good works. Adrian Rogers used to say this. He says, man is saved by grace alone. Man is saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. We talked about it last weekend. The idea of a Christ follower is the Greek word doulos. It means slave. It means one that just follows Jesus. If Jesus says, go this direction, that's what you do. If Jesus says, jump, we say, how high? And the works that Jesus wants done is the works that his followers do. It is impossible to say, I follow Jesus and have no good works. And in this judgment, they're going to be judged according to your works. You say, but wait a minute, I thought it was by faith. James goes on to say, faith without works is what? Dead, because it's alone. James goes also to say, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. See, I can't get inside of your soul today and say, you know what, I see what you believe. I can't do that. The only thing I can do is see what you do with your life. And Jesus, being the judge here, do you think that he sees what you do with your life? Every person will stand before Jesus and will be judged according to their works. Now, everybody's included in this judgment. The Bible says he's going to gather all the nations before him. But then he starts making distinctions. If we could illustrate this today, and I won't do it, but if we illustrate it today and have everyone stand up, go to the back and start walking forward, and I could stand here and say, you go on this side, and you go on this side. That's what Jesus is describing here. He's making distinctions. Some are going to be on this side. Some are going to be on this side. And where you sit today has nothing to do with the illustration or whether or not you belong to Jesus. But in this judgment, the ones on one side were quite different than the ones on the other. The Bible says he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Very real situation. In the Mideastern world, the sheep were way more valuable. And he's making a distinction that there's a difference in the sheep and a goat. What is the difference in a sheep and a goat? If you're like some of us, you may not know the difference until someone describes it. I think I might be able to tell the difference in a sheep and a goat, even though I can't hardly tell the difference in anything when it comes to that. But the truth is this. A goat is just not a sheep. And a sheep is just not a goat. There's a difference in their nature. And they might look similar, and they might have similar purposes, and they might do similar things, but there is something different about the nature. The only thing that can change a goat to a sheep, that goat would have to be born again. That's why the Bible talks about conversion being a new birth, and it's a change of nature. Change of nature. See, a lot of people come in and they make some kind of confession to Christ but their nature's never changed 
And not very long after that, they go right back where they were. You know why? Because their nature is still back there. There's something real about that. You end up living according to the nature that you have. We don't come to church today to get saved necessarily. We're not trying to work our way to make God happy with us. We're not trying to, you know, make sure that we do our religious duty. That's not the purpose of this. Christians come today to worship the one who changed their life. And if your purpose for coming is different than that, well, maybe you still have the old nature. And if you have the old nature, the good news is the gospel says the old nature can be changed. You can be given a new nature. And we'll still struggle with the old one, but we've got one that can overcome the old. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, right? And, but not just the blood of the Lamb, but by the word of their testimony. Hmm, it has to do with how we live. And we did not love our lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, we just lived for the king and not for our own good. So, sheep, goats. Now, in most court cases, I think prosecutors go first, I think. And they give the charge. The defense comes in and says this is not true and they get a chance to go back and forth and the one being accused gets a chance to speak. But in this judgment, we don't see any of that. All we see is they walk in, the king sitting on his throne separates. And then before anything else is said, he gives the verdict. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father. That's a verdict. He looks at the ones on this side and says, come, blessed of my father. He looks at these on this side and he says, depart, accursed ones. Come, depart. Blessed, cursed. Let me point something out to you. When we're sitting here today in this church service and we're preaching the gospel, we've been singing to you. We've been singing to you about our testimony. Great song. Never heard it before we did it this weekend. Great song. My testimony, the best thing about it is my name's registered in heaven. That's true. The disciples one time, was they were excited about being a part of the works that were going on. And Jesus said, well, be more excited about your name being written down. Great song, testimony. I've been changed. I've been delivered. I'm different. What will you do with Jesus? I will follow him. Yes, I will. How long is he going to be king? Forever. How long will we serve him? Forever. We've been presenting the gospel to you all morning. So we're saying to you, the same thing Jesus would say to you, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come unto me and you can believe and have eternal life. So the invitation at the judgment is come, but it's only to the ones that have already said yes to Jesus before the judgment. You see, I've preached a long time and a lot of times I preach and, and people say, you know what? 
I'm here, I hear the gospel, but you know what? As far as I'm concerned with Jesus, Jesus, you just depart. I'll handle my life on my own terms. I'll do it my way. And here's the point today. What you say to Jesus, he says back to you. Jesus says, come to the people that have already said, yes, I will. To the ones that said, Jesus, you go away, he says, you depart. Isn't it interesting that people at this point will want Jesus, but in their lifetime didn't have any time for Jesus? Does that make any sense to you? You see, in this day of judgment, everything is going to be real. The verdict, come, you blessed. Depart, you cursed. Then he gives explanations. The explanations look like this. He looks, looks to this side. He says, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in naked. You clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. None of those things are the things that we would say today. Why, are we, why, why is Jesus allowing me to come? Because I fill in some religious work. Jesus is making this very practical. And he says, you come, you blessed, because this is what you did while you were alive on the earth. Now, they didn't understand that. And the ones on this side didn't as well because he gave them the same explanation. He said, I was hungry, you didn't, you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Come, blessed, depart, cursed. Why? You came to me, you did not. Now, these guys on this side, in fact, both sides had some questions. This side had questions. This side, they wanted to go to the appeals court. They wanted to, I need more clarification on this. This doesn't make sense to me. Both of them said this. The righteous will answer him and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see this? And they're just asking questions. I mean, they're not upset. I wouldn't be upset if Jesus said, come. Blessed of my Father. Hey, that's a great day. Praise God, that, that day's available for some of us. Amen? But these guys on this side, I think things are, are quite different. Can you imagine what it would feel like? Look up this way. Can you imagine what it would feel like to walk in? You've been a part of church life for years and years and years, and you walk in, and the judgment is going on, and you're walking up, and you approach the, the king, and the king tells you to go on this side. You think people aren't going to be going, now, wait a minute. Jesus said, I was all of this, and you came nothing. Oh, wait a minute, Lord. Oh, no, this can't be real. Lord, I, I never saw you hungry. I, I, Lord, I never saw you thirsty. When were you like this, Lord? I didn't see you. I never thought. Can you imagine that? Lord, I never thought that's what you wanted. You mean you wanted me to take care of some of those people out there that, that have these needs? Can't you see some churches walking up here in this time going, well, that just wasn't my ministry. My question to people like that is, well, then what is your ministry? You think there is a ministry for you? But Jesus doesn't need anything. Theologically, that's true, but that's not what he's saying. Jesus is like, these people are out here that need something, 
and my people care about these people, and they reach out to these people, and the ones with the nature change, they know their nature's changed, they know they're different, they know there's something that they need to give back. It's just really kind of amazing that anybody would receive such grace from God and not feel compelled to give that away. In fact, when you become saved, God changes your heart to the point that you just love. No one has to make you love people anymore when you have Jesus in your heart. You don't have to because God changes your nature. You're not the same. You go from Saul to Paul. Saul, I hate people that's not like me, and I'm going to stop them from doing what I don't want them to do, to Paul that says, I will lay down my life for the good of God and people. Sometimes people say, why do you guys do what you do at Life Church? Because people need the Lord. We undertake some big things here. We're busy. Sometimes people say, why do you go to the jail? Why do you mess with those people? What did Jesus say? I was in prison. You came to me. We've got something happening every day here. And there's availability for anybody in this room to participate in what we do. Now, you might not be able to go to the jail. And you might not be able to come here in the mornings and work with children. And you might not be able to give your Sunday nights to help us in what we're doing. But I just want to ask you, what are you able to do? This week, I, I, I said this last night, and the young lady's not here tonight. But one of the young ladies that comes to our school, our academy, i got to make sure I say this right because it's not school. It's a cooperative ministry. One of these young ladies that came to our, our school was not interested in anything, not interested in living, life. She was pretty much locked into social media. School didn't mean anything to her. She, was, she never did good when she started Every week now, she finds me and says, Pastor Brian, I made a hundred on my test. And I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at the transition that you see when you, as Christian people, take your arms and you put your arms around children who need something. I want you to know, Jesus is talking about the least of these, and some of those are children. Some children have very little help in their life. We live in a world right now where, at large measure, children aren't even being parented by their parents. Their parents have given them some kind of device to raise them. And these children are alone, and our government has decided to isolate all of us and put us all in these positions. Do you realize suicide has gone through the roof since COVID started? There's a whole lot of evil that's coming on to our world, and they're after our children. And our children are being taught how to deal with life apart from relationships but you just can't do it they need relationships they need to know that they matter they need to know that God loves them and the way that they find out that God loves them is because they see people who actually do 
And the reason why we do 3D life recovery is because a lot of people, without any knowledge on their own, without any knowing about what they were doing, they were introduced to a very dis a chaotic lifestyle, and they were given something to kind of help them get through it. And that thing that they were given began to control their life. And now they live, and they live on the street, and they live out there, and they can't get out, and they cannot get out on their own. And they need the church to be the message of hope and to take their arms and reach their arms around them and be working with them and be patient with them and teach them and love them and give them the gospel of hope of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they say, well, that's just those people. I want to profess to you today that I'm one of those people with the grace of God he has changed me and if he can change me he can change anybody in this room and Jesus tells them and this side's like this just can't be we never saw that so the judgment is affirmed the appeal was literally denied Jesus says truly I say to you to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine even the least of them you did it to me you guys want to minister to Jesus today? Understand that when you run into people today, there's Jesus. And there's the opportunity to minister to him today. Ministry is not <clears throat> coming and doing some kind of big thing in a church setting. Ministry is hands-on loving people where you find them. As often as you've seen these people, you did not do it to them. As often as you did not do it to them, you did not do it to me. If you've never heard Keith Green recite this scripture, I want to challenge you this afternoon to do it. The song, it's not really a song. It's a song because he plays piano, and he plays the piano in pretty amazing ways. But he recites this scripture and if you listen to it it'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck I'm telling you and at the end of the song he says the only difference in what this side and this side did uh, the only difference in the two sides is what they had done in their life and that's true we're not saved by our works but our works tell off on whether we're saved and in this judgment, you have final destination. You have two destinations, two of them. There's no third one. There's no intermediate place where you can figure out if you want to do this. Everybody on this side was like, this just can't be. But you know what? It was too late. They had crossed over the bridge, and it wasn't the natural bridge that I could come back across. This bridge, when you cross, you are there. You've got destination first, kingdom prepared for you. Jesus says, come, you blessed of my Father, to what? A kingdom prepared for you. Can you imagine that? Which one of us deserves a kingdom? But yet God Almighty is preparing a kingdom for us who will follow him. Who will decide, yes, Lord, you say come, I say yes, I will. Jesus says, when you come follow me, the day is going to come. You're going to enter into that kingdom prepared for you. I said this last night. I said, you know, one thing about Life Church, and I get this from one of my friends. He's a pastor. He's in Alaska right now. But whenever I talk to my pastor friend, he, he always brags on the church. 
He hasn't been here in a few years because he's in Alaska. It's a little tougher to drive over, you know. He used to be in Cleveland, Tennessee. But he would always say, Brian, when I'd come to your church, it's like I walk into a hug. He said, it's just a great place to be. You just feel, he says, I just feel at home amongst your people. Your people have a great way of making people feel at home. Let me ask you today, do you all feel at home when you come here? I mean, we feel at home. This is home. And that's what he's talking about. Come, you blessed of my Father, to a place prepared for you. We're going to feel at home there. But for those on this side, he says, depart from me, cursed ones. And where's the destination? It's not made for you. Have you ever been in a place you thought, I don't belong. I don't feel good about being here. It happened to me this week. Friday night. Oh, was it three days ago, two days ago? Robin and I were watching, well, watching, I don't know how to say it. If you don't know it, my dad's sick and he needs care. He needs us to take care of him some. And my sisters carry the heavy load of that and they do a great job. But once in a while, Robin and I give them, well, every Friday night, they go out to eat and shop and things. So we sit there with my dad and watch America Says and Andy Griffith. And we spend that time with him. Well, sometimes the sisters, they stay out a little longer than they should. I should give them a curfew. And so I get there at 4 o'clock. And I start getting hungry. Anybody get hungry ever? <laughs> so I'm like, I'll go get you something to eat. We'll go get something to eat. So I went to a place to get something to eat. And when I came in, and I hadn't been in this place a long time. It's here in Metropolis. And they took my order, and then they said, you want to pay now? I said, sure, I'll pay now. So I paid now. I shouldn't have paid now because once I paid, they took my ticket and put it over on the stack of things that are done. So that order never got to the, t- got to the kitchen. And I discovered something. If the order doesn't go to the kitchen, you're not going to get your stuff. And after about 30 minutes of being patient and standing, I, I mean, really, I, I, I could tell they were swamped. The guys, businesses are doing their best right now. People don't work. People don't want to work, and they're doing their best. Be patient with them, right? But after a little while, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting old standing here. <laughs> and the guy looks at me and says, did that order get to the kitchen? I said, I don't know. I don't think so. He found it. He said, oh, I'm really sorry. So he takes it to the kitchen. He said, I'll get it done as soon as I can. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then about that time, you know what starts to happen? Karaoke. Bad karaoke Conway Twitty karaoke I'm like I don't belong here hurry up with this food I got to get out of here people on this side are going to a place that wasn't prepared for them a place where they don't belong if you don't like being someplace where you don't belong try doing it forever because that place was prepared for the devil and his angels not for us So let me ask you something. What is your final destination? I can tell you how you can tell. Jesus is hungry, is thirsty, is sick, is lonely. Is there anything in you that says that matters to me? What will you say to Jesus? Concerning your final destination, what is your final answer? You might say no to Jesus today. Can I remind you what you say to Jesus? Jesus will say back to you. Come to those who said yes. Depart 
to the ones that wanted him gone. You want Jesus out of your life today? He'll let you have that. The day will come when he'll say back to you what you said to him. I pray today that you get this right. Because there's no parole, there's no probation, and there's no second chance. The time to get saved is today. So let's stand and pray. I just want to lead us in prayer, and I want to let you know that the ministry of the church is available to you if you want to decide to follow Jesus today. Let's rejoice together in our destination that is better than we can ever imagine. And if you don't know that you're on that destination, I want to ask you today to just right where you are, confess Christ as your Savior and then follow him with your life. Amen.